live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Sunsplash Tuesday afternoon in the capital city. Five o'clock hour of the sports huddle is underway. Bob Black with you here hosting remotely today. AJ in our producer's booth in our ESPN Richmond studios. Thanks to Matt for hanging around in the four o'clock hour. He has gone his separate way at this point. Back tomorrow at three with the next border to border. And we'll take you up to six o'clock at Braves baseball a little bit after six tonight, about six twenty-five. In Philadelphia, great pitching matchup tonight. Zach Wheeler for the Phillies and Max Fried for the Atlanta Braves. The team split a day-night doubleheader yesterday. That's why we weren't on the air with our afternoon local programming. The Braves' magic number to clinch the National League East, their sixth straight, is four. So they could potentially do it in Philadelphia. Of course, I'm rooting for the Phillies as a Phils fan, but even more so to take at least one of these next two so that the Atlanta Braves don't have their first popping of the champagne cork celebration in the visitors' clubhouse in Philadelphia. Make them go do it somewhere else, but not in Philly. So that's out there, the carrot dangling. Of course, the Phils need a few more wins to clinch their wild card spot and get to October. So Phillies and Braves tonight, 625 is our airtime here on 1061 ESPN. I love those weeknight starts in Philly where they start 630, 640, I guess 640 uh, tonight. Kind of shaves about a half hour off the more traditional start time. And, of course, the way the games are being played at a quicker pace, um, you know, you get them done at a reasonable hour. And tonight, you know, it could wind up a slugfest like the two games did yesterday. But when you got two pitchers like Freed and Wheeler going, you could have a two to one, three to two, one to nothing uh, kind of game between those teams tonight. Who knows which way it will go? Uh, and hey, one other thing before we get back to the phones, and uh, I do want to get into Richmond. I haven't talked about the Spiders uh, yet, but I had the opportunity after Richmond finished up at Michigan State Saturday, not to come back with the team on the charter. No, they did not kick me off. They weren't mad at me, anything like that. Hung around up there, and Sunday went to Comerica Park. First time I had visited the home of the Detroit Tigers. Really nice ballpark. Loved the downtown area in Detroit where all three of their venues are right there, uh, next to each other and within walking distance, Little Caesars Arena with the Pistons and the Red Wings, and then uh, Ford Field with the Lions, and then Comerica Park with the Tigers. Now, I went to a very nondescript Sunday afternoon game. Trust me, there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare to that game on Sunday. It was two you know, bad teams long since out of the race, I probably shouldn't even say the White Sox are a bad team. I think the Tigers actually have some intrigue uh, to be good moving forward. They have some good young talent. And, in fact, I saw one of them on Sunday, Sawyer Gibson Long, won his Major League debut. In fact, he set him up and down nine in a row to start the game. I think he went the first five innings. 
But beyond that, it was a pretty laid-back, nondescript, kind of lazy Sunday afternoon at the ballpark. Tigers won the game 3-2, to two, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it's a nice, new one of the newer ballparks. And I said to the folks I was with, it reminds me a little bit of Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, which would be a high compliment because I, I love the Phillies uh, ballpark next to Pittsburgh. I think the Phillies have the nicest. I love Pittsburgh's park. And then Philly. Um, but it didn't have quite as many. I don't think I don't know if amenities is the right word, but but not as many like attractions of local flavor. Like they had some, of course, Detroit style deep dish pizza, and of course, um, you know the car dealers were all over the place, being Detroit and that kind of thing. But I just felt like they didn't have as many. Maybe it was more the local flavor of the concession stand items, that kind of thing that, that they do in Philly. Other than that, uh, again, a, a high compliment for them because uh, it did remind me a little bit of that. And it was a nice, enjoyable, kind of relaxing Sunday afternoon at the ballpark. So thumbs up to Comerica Park. And I do think the Tigers have some good young talent and will have an opportunity moving forward uh, to perhaps – be in competition over there in the American League. Uh, Sawyer Gibson Long was the guy's name. I think I mentioned that. Uh, the rookie pitcher won his major league debut. So that was kind of cool to see that. All right, 506 on the sports huddle. Here we go in the 5 o'clock hour, 804-327-0888. Uh, Reggie, you're up on the sports huddle. How was your weekend? Uh, a little wet, a little wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we I were saying mean. on the air Saturday, Reggie, we were a lot happier to be in Michigan than we were to be in Virginia. <laughs> I, every time I looked up, there was another weather delay of a college football game in Virginia, and we had great weather and rolled right along in Michigan. So hope you and everybody were safe and sound and high and dry Saturday. But, yeah, you dealt with some wet weather. Oh, we lost him. Uh-oh. Maybe Reggie's lines are still soaking wet, and he got waterlogged, and away he went. Call back, Reggie. Call back. We didn't mean to lose you there. We didn't touch a thing. We got him. Not sure what happened there. I hope you're not just waterlogged there, Reggie. What's up? Hey, I don't know. I was asking you. <laughs> I, was saying, I, I, I know you guys upset that you lost the game, but come on now. I didn't do anything. Uh, by the way, the head coach of Michigan State wasn't at the game, was it? He was at the game, and he's uh, Richmond's going to be the answer to the trivia question. What's the last team that Mel Tucker coached against as Michigan State's head coach? That blew up in a hurry Saturday after the game and into Sunday. We were out of there by the time that first hit. I don't know how many of the people that were there already knew about it, but if they did, they hit it pretty well because everything seemed normal Saturday afternoon until that story hit Saturday night. Yeah. Oh, wow. So is the officially gone for Michigan State or what? Sure sounds like it. I mean, I think via technicality they've had to suspend him. I think that's the, the yeah. progression order first and uh, suspend with no pay, go through the hearing. But most Ooh. people up there in East Lansing have made it pretty clear that Mel Tucker has coached his last game for Michigan State. And I will say this, Reggie, there was already some unrest there. This story aside, yeah. uh, there were a lot of people yeah. who weren't happy that Michigan State gave him a 10-year contract off of one good year, and they've been mediocre at best since he had that 11-2 and season that went to the, that went to the bowl game. 
you're being kind when you said mediocre. And what was it, like a 95 or $96 million contract? Yes. So maybe not quite that much. Well, maybe wow. it was because he's already in the second or third year of it. So they were saying he cost himself like 75 to $80 million of that contract <laughs> if it plays out, you know, that they can fire him with cause, and then he wouldn't get that money. Uh, it was a bombshell of a story up there, I can tell you that. I'm not saying nothing. I want the Me Too movement to come after me. I am exactly. not saying a word. Exactly. No, 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 no way, no way. Quick question, Bob. The Oreo. You, you pulled me off the ledge last year. I'm in shock. My Oreo. They're doing it, Reg. They're, they may be <laughs> the shot. They may be the best team in the American League. As it turned nah, out, nah, I mean, we nah, all... nah, 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 don't do that, Bob. Don't do it. Don't. You sound like Bruce now. You sound, I was just going like to say that. Don't do that, Bob. Who do you think I am, Bruce or what? I'm, I'm not jinxing him here. When you talk like that, yeah, last time Bruce said something, they lost. Now, here you come, Bob. <laughs> uh, sorry, Reggie. It's just data because they clearly are the best team in the American League. By leaps and bounds, in fact, they are the best team in the American League. In the regular season, Reggie, I'm not commenting on October, but from late March through the end of September, it's the Orioles. Frank Robinson, Paul Blair, and Don Blair ain't coming to that door no time soon with Earl Weaver. I don't know. This team, this team may have the 2020s version of the guys you were just talking about. I think they can be that good. Their uh, their magic number is still a little ways to go. Yeah, it's 16, uh, I think, is their magic number at this point. Yeah, well, magic numbers. You ask Atlanta Braves about having the best record and flaming right. out in the playoffs. Right. Braves so, magic numbers four. Yep. Baltimore, Baltimore, yeah. Atlanta World Series, gentlemen. I'm calling Baltimore it. and who? Oh, Atlanta. Now, now here you come, Jesus. Here you come, Jesus. <laughs> I'm done. Goodbye. I'm done. I'm done. Bye. Oh, come on, jinx, Reggie. Come on. You gotta jinx me. All, all yeah, in I, good I fun. I know Bruce was on the air. <laughs> all, all in good fun. But I'm glad you're enjoying yes, the Orioles back to, uh, you know, back to where they are. Yeah, well, it took us long enough. The farm system was a little yeah. rough, but they steady the course. And unlike the Yankees, who try to buy a title all the time. Yeah, yeah I said it. Shots against the Yankees. Get out of here. Go, go. <laughs> it's okay. No, no one's going to shy away from that around here, I can tell you that. Although they, they did win today. They beat the Red Sox 3-2. to uh, Day-night doubleheader there in Boston. Uh, blind squirrel finds a nut every yep, time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, got him back to 500. The Yankees are at 500. Oh, yeah. You see how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah. Maybe till just tonight's game. It's possible. <laughs> it is. Good shot. Uh, a good fame, weekend. I'm proud of you, Bob. Good shot. Good weekend for Virginia Union and Virginia State again, Reggie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, the weather had a little problem with the turnout at Virginia State. And yeah, I heard that. And same, yeah, the bad weather at both games. But, yeah. you know, you got to keep plugging away, you know, yeah, both no. teams. Uh, just got to keep plugging away. We'll see how it goes. Who Richmond have this week? This week, Delaware State, another MEAC opponent Ooh. for the Spiders. No, I'm, I'm glad you Y'all asked that Delaware question. State? I'm glad you asked that. They're, oh, they're not good, Reggie. They are not good. They are 0-2. They lost to Army by... I don't know, 125 points this week or something. I don't know. They're not good. Yeah, Richmond, we all should, should handle that. 
Yeah, I should handle that one. I, it was funny. I was watching the replay of the um, Michigan State Richmond game, and it said Richard Reck was one and one. I said <laughs> one and one. Who did they beat? I wish it had been. <laughs> I think we all assumed they yeah. won that first game against Morgan State. You know, that's what happens. Yeah, you know yeah. what happens when you assume, Reggie. You know what happens I'm, when I'm you assume. T- I'm not, I'm not saying that. Easy, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making well, sure well, AJ State was still did listening. Morgan State did a good job against. Morgan State did a pretty good job against Akron. Excellent. They lost yep. the game in the final minute, but yep. they hung in there. Yep. Really wish they would have won that game. Quite frankly, uh, we're, we're rooting for Morgan State. I know it would make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Well, it already does. I mean, I think we've, we're learning that they're they're a pretty good football. Now, Akron is terrible. Akron is one of the worst FBS teams. In the country. But even having said that, their re- resources are still at a much higher level than a Morgan State. And for the Bears to do what oh, they did, no really encouraging for Morgan State. And I know they took home some kind of paycheck. I, I don't think it was in the stratosphere of Richmond's at Michigan State, but I'm sure they still took home you know, a six-figure paycheck out of that game. Yeah, when Tennessee State took a million from Irish George um, Notre Dame, so we thank them for that. And and Norfolk State finally got back on the good for being Hampton, which was a shock. Yeah. After uh, the Trojans took care of business, I was like, wow, Coach Odom must have really got into his players. They took care of business against the Pirates. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not sure what all that means to be honest with you. I don't know that Hampton's very good. I don't know that Norfolk State's very good. Not. I don't think Delaware State's very good. And I say that even knowing yeah. my team's getting ready to play them, certainly don't want to jinx it. But I'm I'm pretty confident, and I'm looking <laughs> for a a dominant performance by Richmond this weekend going into conference play. And listen, Doctor Harvey left Hampton. They they have crashed and burned in sports. I wish Doctor Harvey was still there, but God bless him. Yeah, it's just the way it goes. Sometimes they'll, they'll try and make a revival now in the CAA. I'll I'll say that. All right, Reg. Thank you, sir. Keep up. Thank you. Good work. All right. Thank you, Reg. Appreciate it. All right, let's keep it rolling here. It's already about a quarter after five on the Tuesday edition of the Sports Huddle. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure you'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's drive home headlines. Brought to you by James River Air. If you're not confident in your heating and cooling provider, switch to James River Air. Save up to 30% online at jamesriverair.com. Of course, the big story in the NFL this afternoon, Aaron Rodgers, as expected, confirmed. Torres left Achilles tendon uh, Monday night after just four plays. He is out for the year. 39-year-old, four-time MVP, getting close to turning 40 His career probably is done, certainly not speaking for him or his doctors, but you would think it's a long shot at that age and coming back from one of the toughest injuries that he might be done. And you talk about a snake bit team and organization, that would be the New York Jets, and we've got some local interest from the Jets in this area, so we do kind of root for them, and by we, at least I say I. Uh, Joe Douglas, their general manager, who who, uh, grew up here, played his high school football up in Hanover County at what was Lee Davis High School and then went on to play for the Richmond Spiders, has done a tremendous job as their general manager. He seems to have pushed all the right buttons. And then, you know, this sort of thing still happens to them. A lot of friends were on suicide watch yesterday, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, and then they won the game. So at least for one night, you know, they, they might have lost the war, but they won the battle kind of thing. But I, I do think it was inspiring because if you if you listened and watched any of that game, all of the talking heads at halftime, to include Peyton and Eli Manning on the Manning cast, were like, no way, they can't win. This game's over. Buffalo's going to win this game. 
and then the Jets found a way to win the game. So well, I love I love the Manning brothers, but why do people watch that? Did you see how like unprofessional they were when he he went down? That was just so weird. I don't know why people enjoy watching those so, two. I watched it a couple of times last year, and I thought for short segments it was interesting to watch. But I will—I'm a little more with you now this time. Like maybe it's overstaying its welcome already. Like last night, I was way happier with Buck and Aikman and just the traditional telecast, and especially when that happened because I just felt like we were going to get better more accurate news updates because they were all on site and all on location there. And Eli and Peyton were in their basement. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, now I want you to ask the same question tomorrow of Matt, because he loves the Manning cast and I'll bet he watched most of that game last night on the Manning cast channel, as opposed to the traditional broadcast. But I, 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 I've become a little bit more with you. And certainly when my team is playing, like when the Eagles are playing, I don't want any part of the Manning cast. I'm watching the traditional telecast. I love them. I just, you know, I don't want the real live take on on someone their their career might be over. I just I don't I don't want that. You got a guy like uh Joe Buck and Aikman who handle that with class and I don't know. I'm not mad at them or anything. I just it's needless. Yeah, it's a little different. It it's definitely the alternative telecast. I can watch it in small doses and i it cannot be my team I, i'm absolutely convinced of that interesting point but like i said bring it up with matt tomorrow because he he loved it last year and I, I just think some of the like you know the rose has what, what's that saying that the, the, the petal has fallen off the rose or something like that at least for me it sounds like for you it has as well and now i'm intrigued if they'll go out and take one of these veteran unemployed quarterbacks not as their starter because they've pretty much committed to moving forward with zach wilson as their starter but would a you know carson wentz want to be a backup in new york or nick Foles? would he like to make a reappearance zach wilson the only happy person in new york right now. <laughs> yes and i don't even think he's totally happy but yes i do think he is, is certainly grateful for the opportunity not the way it happened for talking sure. heads are saying tom brady Oh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? It's How crazy would that be? Wow. That would be cool. Only in New York. No, no. All, the, only in New York. Only in New York would Tom Brady get signed and then tear his ACL <laughs> in week three. Oh, gosh. Don't even say that, AJ. Don't even say that. It would happen only to New York, though. Uh, only to the Jets. Uh, yeah, it was a rough weekend to be a New York football fan. I mean, I know the Jets won the game, and you got to be happy about that. They're 1-0, but the Rodgers thing overshadows it. And then, you know, the, the pummeling that the Giants took from the Cowboys. I don't know if anybody saw that coming, not 40 to nothing coming. So it was a rough couple of days there at MetLife Stadium up there uh, in New York. Uh, it was a good Sunday, as it turned out, for the Commanders. It wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but as I've said several times, it was critical they won. Didn't matter really how in week one. They can clean all that other stuff up as they go along. They had to, and they did win that game. And in about 10 minutes, Darrell Owens will join us, Legacy Maker Sports Network. He was covering that game at FedEx on Sunday, and we'll get his thoughts and perspective as well. 804-327-0888. Let's get the break in here. Come back on the other side. 1061 ESPN gift of sports. All you have to do is accept it. And perhaps send a thoughtful thank you card. Jamie King is live weekday mornings at 7 on 1061 ESPN Richmond.
spend just a couple of quick minutes here before we get back to Commander's talk on Richmond from Saturday. This is not the start the Spiders had envisioned at 0-2, not with Morgan State as the first game, and then Michigan State the second game. We all get that. And then Delaware State as the third game. The Spiders certainly expected no worse than 2-1 and one going into conference play, and instead here we sit at 0-2. I will say this. The scoreboard showed 45-14 to 14 Saturday at Michigan State, and the stat sheet showed 465 yards of total offense for the Spartans and just 193 for the Spiders. But all of that aside, 21 first downs to 11 for Michigan State, Richmond 1 of 12 on third down conversions. I actually felt better and a little bit more encouraged by what I saw Saturday, knowing that I was evaluating that, knowing the opponent was a big-time program, FBS, not a great FBS program right now. I think they're improved. Of course, they're going through their own tumultuous time now with the change at head coach and the controversy there. But putting all that together, I did feel better about the eye test and what I saw Saturday. Look, I think the defense has been solid both weeks for Richmond and will continue to be. And not only that, but they're now becoming opportunistic. They're getting turnovers. They turned one of them Saturday into a scoop and score. They might have to do a little bit more of that until this offense really gets its game legs about it. And I actually felt a little bit better about the offense. Not a lot. It still needs work. It is still very much a work in progress. I don't know if I, we underestimate it the change that had to be made offensively or not. But I do think it's been a little bit more difficult than maybe we thought. I thought it was going to be. I think the wide receiver group uh, needs to come of age, and I think the injuries that they suffered there, they were expecting the losses of the guys who finished up their eligibility. But the Josiah Williams injury, uh, the Isaiah Wilson injury, a young man who we haven't seen play yet, transfer from East Tennessee State, but he had a solid career at ETSU. I think that's hurt Richmond. The other wide receivers are talented but unproven talents. They didn't get to play a whole lot last year because of the guys ahead of them. And the quarterback is obviously a novice. Now, he was an understudy to two very good Richmond quarterbacks, especially Reese Udinsky last year, but also Joe Mancuso two years ago. And he is still very much a work in progress. His completion percentage is good, but his yards are not. And they need to figure out a way to go vertical to get downfield more. And that can be a combination of your offensive line, maybe not giving them enough time, your receivers, maybe not getting separation or running the route right, right routes, and your quarterback, maybe not having the trust yet in those guys. Trust can only be earned over a period of time. And maybe it's just not there yet. Kyle Wickersham was 16 of 22. You would take that percentage but only 102 yards. And then the quarterback sacks stick out like a sore thumb again as well. Seven of those, that's 12 in the first two weeks. So this week against a Delaware State team that is struggling worse than Richmond, has lost to a D2, got shut out, whatever, 57-0 by Army. 
game is at Robin Stadium. Spiders need a dominant performance Saturday. And I truly believe, and I know I'm saying this somewhat with rose-colored glasses. I know that's a mixed metaphor analogy. But they get that dominant performance Saturday. And this is a team that can go on a run. They will open conference play at Stony Brook. That has been a house of horrors for the Spiders over the years. But Stony Brook appears to be down this year. And then you get Hampton and Maine at home. So the players and coaches won't group this as the next four weeks. But on a sports talk show, you certainly can. And I think there's reason for optimism that in a month's time from now, we could be talking about a team that is four and two and three and oh in the CAA. All I'd right, like to there see Wickersham get a running game behind him. Yeah, that would help also. I hadn't mentioned that part of it, and that's the running game. And I, and I would think that's been disappointing, maybe even more so than the receivers, because at least the receivers, with the exception of Nick DiGennaro, untested, haven't played a whole lot of college football. They seem to be talented, but they haven't been game-tested yet. The running backs have been. Savon Smith has struggled the first couple of weeks. Mylon Howard has, has not gotten much of an opportunity back there. They'd love to get the true freshman uh, some more carries. Brown, um, Jamal Brown, uh, and that really hasn't happened yet. Fane Webb, and again, some of that comes back to the offensive line. they got to open up holes for those running backs, just like they have to give Kyle Wickersham a little more protection when he throws the ball. Last point, and then we'll get to the break because Darrell Owens is coming up. I really want Kyle Wickersham to trust the wide receivers that they're going to be where they're supposed to be and just throw the ball to those spots. I think Reese Udinsky had so much confidence in his receivers last year that they were going to run the route and they were going to be where it's supposed to be when the ball arrives there. And I want to see Kyle do that as well. And if he throws it where it's supposed to be thrown and those receivers aren't there, that's on them. But I think you'll start getting some of those connections. If Kyle puts the ball where the route's supposed to be and the receiver is where he is supposed to be and they move the ball downfield. Just some quick thoughts on the Spiders, but I do feel more encouraged after Saturday's game at Michigan State, certainly than I did with the opener against Morgan State. And again, there it is. I've said it. Give me a dominant performance Saturday. And this team in a month's time, we could be talking about a 4-2 and team, 3-0 and in the CAA. The Washington Commanders are 1-0. and We know that. We're going to talk more about the Commanders, what they did and didn't do against Arizona, and what's coming up this week out at Denver against Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Darrell Owens was at FedEx Sunday for the Legacy Makers Sports Network. He'll join us next with his thoughts on the sports huddle. And the Spiders return home as they host Delaware State in a battle of arthropods and insects. Catch all the action beginning Saturday afternoon at 3 here on 1061 ESPN. Your home of the Richmond Spiders in the capital city. We are really rolling right along here. It's almost 535. In fact, it just clicked over to 535. So let's get to our next guest, and let's talk some more Commanders football on the heels of their win. Sunday over Arizona, maybe a little bit too close for comfort or for what the fans, the sellout crowd at FedEx would have wanted. Amongst those in attendance was our guy, Darrell Owens, from Legacy Maker Sports Network, who we had on a couple times during the preseason. We got him back now. The regular season is underway. Darrell, hello. How are you? Hey, Bob, how you doing today? Fine. How do you think the Commanders are doing? What did you like 
out of what you saw. I think earlier in the show we went through some of the negative things, the sacks, the turnovers, the too close for comfort, all of that. What did you like about what you saw? I will say uh, for me two things. I, w- I would say perseverance because they could have easily gotten down, especially with you know knowing that they got the big crowd there, you know, big sellout. You know, it hadn't been a, it's been a long time since that had happened. And they could have easily got down on there. And it, and it was looking very grim. <laughs> but uh, I thought that they persevered and they gutted out a win against a team that a lot of people looked at and say, you know, they're obviously not going to be that good this year. But they came into that game, you know, knowing what everybody's been saying. And they definitely played hard. Uh, so, for me, it was just the perseverance. But maybe a bigger aspect, you know, the defensive side really stepped up when they really needed them to step up. Uh, mainly Montez Sweat, uh, in my opinion. But I love what I saw from them, uh, you know, just trying to persevere and get through it. Only 210 yards total for Arizona in that game and no touchdowns. Um, And then, as you said, uh, Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, as we were talking earlier, uh, basically single-handedly or six-handedly in that case, won that game for the Commanders. Yeah, I mean, Montez Sweat was all over the field. Um, you know, for me, I think I, I've been telling people Montez Sweat is the one that you watch out for this year. You know, he's in that contract year. He wants to get paid. Uh, and I and I, I think a lot of people know that it's, you know, it's going to be between him and Chase on who gets paid. And Montez has been available, and Montez has been there. Uh, he's just been really tough, really tough. Uh, and he's been a bright spot on that defensive line. No, not, Nothing away from Payne, nothing away from Allen, but – Montez seems like he's going to be on a different level this year. I like what I've seen from Montez. All right, let's go back to the offensive side. Uh, Look, Sam Howell's playing his second-ever NFL game, and the other one hardly counted at the end of of last season. So I think think we get that, and his numbers kind of showed it, right? 19 to 31, 200 yards. He was sacked six times in the game. But where else would you look, Darrell? I mean, from a, a running attack, obviously Antonio Gibson did not have a great game. The fumble in there as well. The wide receiving core stepped up a little bit, but probably not the way we we would expect them to yeah i mean you know the running game i did expect more and then gibson you know when he had a little bit of his trouble during the game you didn't see him anymore uh you saw you kind of saw chris rodriguez jr come in and they tried to give him an opportunity uh, but those that running back room really is going to have to step up uh as the season goes along i came into the season thinking very positive about the running back room uh, and I thought that, you know, they would be fine. And it was, like I say, it was just a tough day. It was it was a really tough day for them overall. I think that they will get better as the season goes along, but it was a really rough day. It was a rainy day, you know, mm-hmm. and I know rain, rain, rainy weather is more of a running games type of game, I guess you can say, per se. Mm-hmm. But it just, you know, I think it'll get better as the season goes along. It was a little rough out there. Uh, and with Sam Howell, um, I, I think – Sam's biggest problem on Sunday really was just holding on to the ball too long. I mean, there was times where, you know, his feet got him out of a lot of trouble, which I think helped him. But there was a lot of times that he held on the ball too long. And then via, you know, there it is, he gets he gets sacked six times. Uh, so that's something that if you're a Commanders fan, it was ugly. Um, you would rather it be a lot better than that. And I think the expectation everybody thought Washington was going to go in and just beat up on the Cardinals. But um, – I think it may be a little bit disappointing for fans, but it's it's still early. 
Um, I wouldn't get you know too stressed out yet. And it was a big day uh, for the Washington organization as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of made this point, uh, argument, conversation with uh, Nikki Javala, who was on with us in the 4 o'clock hour, from the, who covers the commanders for the Washington Post. Um, and everything both of you have said is accurate. But to me, this was one of those games where it didn't matter how it happened. Uh, they had to win this game. For everything you just talked about, they can clean up and fix and do all of that for the next 17 weeks, but they're doing it off of a win in the first game in a sellout crowd of the Josh Harris era. I almost likened it to the conversation, Darrell, that a couple of us had last week, two weeks ago now, that Virginia Tech had to beat Old Dominion. They had to win that game for the sanctity of the program in Lane Stadium, full house. They'd lost to them the year before. Doesn't matter how they do it. They just had to do it, and that's what happened for Virginia Tech. I say the same for the commanders, Darrell. No matter how they did it, this was, believe it or not, in week one, a must-win for this organization. I think we might have... Yeah, I think we might have. I thought I heard a click while I was on my rant there a little bit. I probably got too emotional and cut him off. I don't know. But we lost Darrell. We'll try and get him back on and kind of recapture what we were talking about. I will be much more succinct than I was there in going on about my thoughts about how important it was for the commanders one way or another to win that game. Are we able to get him back or we're not connecting with him at this moment in time? I guess not. And I did want to ask him about Denver coming up this week on the road. And the Broncos, I think, are an early three-point favorite, something like that. There we go. All right. Um, I don't know where we dropped you there, Darrell. Apologize for that. But I guess my point being, this was almost, if not entirely, considering everything, the ownership, the sellout, uh, all of, a must-win for the commanders, no matter how they did it, no matter how ugly that looked. You spell ugly with a W in there somewhere. <laughs> I agree 100. percent I mean, it was a game that that you hate to say it, but it just couldn't be lost. Mm-hmm. Um, especially knowing what Arizona was coming into it, you you knew everyone in the media room said the same thing: you can't lose this game. If you lose this game, it is not the way you want to start the Josh Harris regime uh, in Washington. So, uh, good thing they got the win. Um, it's definitely something that you know there was a lot that they got to clean up on uh, in the press conference. You know, that's the sentiment that we got from Sam Howell and Ron Rivera. And pretty much, you know, they were happy they got the win, but they weren't happy they got the win that way. That is the vibe that you got from that entire phone, both ends on the pressures. They just, you could just tell that, yeah, we got the win, but we really are not happy how we got the win. Well, you could be the Denver Broncos who could have gotten a win. But didn't, and now they got to clean up all their mistakes off of a loss. And it's always at home. And it's always better to do that after a win than a loss. So I would argue the commanders are already in a better spot here. But what are you anticipating now from Russell Wilson and this uh, Denver team that will include Samaj P. Ryan, the former uh, Washington running back, who's now in that rotation uh, for the Broncos, coming off of their one-point loss to Vegas? You can, for me, it felt like, they were still trying to find their way a little bit, and it's it's one of those things where going into this game, you know, do they tend to find their way here against the Commanders in this contest, or is it going to be something where they're they're still just kind of you know figure it out? Um, and you know, some of the things that Sean Payton has you know said towards Russell Wilson in the last 
month, you know, about the kissing babies and, you know, stop kissing babies and, and, and play football or whatever. I, it's something about it that, you know, maybe maybe it's not all hunky-dory there, <laughs> there in Denver. So, and it's, it's still early. But it's just it, 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 it's pressed, you know, it just seems like it's pressing the wrong way. I don't think that's something you get out there even if you're trying to motivate your quarterback right off the bat. Um, so, you know, Washington comes into this game with an opportunity to get a win uh, and put themselves in a pretty decent spot heading into the next couple of games. And I think it's going to be critical for them to try to get this win. Uh, you, you got Buffalo coming in next week and Josh Allen coming into town uh, the following week, excuse me. And then you got to go to Philly. So it's, it's critical. And yes, it's a West Coast game, but they've got to find a way to pull this one out. Uh, I'm looking at it, and I think Russell is going to come, come to play in this one. I really do. But as long as that Washington defensive line can keep pressure on them, that's to me, is going to be the biggest factor overall. If they can keep Russell on his heels when he's still trying to get this thing going for Denver, I think Washington can win this one. Yeah, I think he could be running for his life a lot on Sunday, but that <laughs> that might not be the best thing in the world for Washington because we all know Russell Wilson can improvise, and sometimes when he gets happy feet and gets moving is when right. he's at his best. So I, I think that could be a fascinating matchup. I think, I think you're absolutely right there. Uh, Darrell, thank you so much uh, for your eyewitness perspective. Are you, are you heading out to Denver this week? I am. I'm, I'm leaving nice. Saturday morning. I'm leaving Saturday morning to head out to Denver for it, so – uh, it'll be uh, first time out in Colorado. I'm, I'm excited to, you know, kind of take in the area. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Colorado Avalanche fan, so oh. I'm gonna go and try. I'm gonna go try to buy me a, a, a Avalanche hoodie when I'm out there. Uh, but of course, enjoy the game <laughs> and see if the Commanders can go in two zero. If they can go I, to two zero, that's gonna be the biggest thing. I think you'll find that Colorado Avalanche hoodie somewhere in Denver. I, it's too bad. It, it's too bad this game wasn't scheduled a little later in the NFL season when the NHL was underway. You might have gotten a chance to go watch them play. Well, that's the kicker. I definitely check, and they play next week at home. So I oh, an exhibition game. Yeah, preseason game. <laughs> they got an game. exhibition game. Yeah, they got an exhibition that? game at home, and I miss it by uh, miss it by a week. Oh wow! Uh, well, go get that. Go get that hoodie. That's that's a good start for you. You'll love it out there. Uh, Colorado, Denver is a, is a great part of the country. So enjoy it out there. We'll try and catch up with you uh, after that game when you get back to town. All righty, thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Thanks, Darrell. Darrell Owens from the Legacy Maker Sports Network. Yeah, he is following those commanders. He's with them uh, all the way through here. So we'll get him on as much as we as much as we can moving forward. Uh, yeah, I think Russell Wilson, if he has to improvise a little bit, could be better for the uh for the broncos again he had decent um percentage numbers but only threw well well less than 200 yards in their loss to to vegas on on sunday all right one more segment we'll finish it up after the break get to the top of the hour braves baseball coming up a little bit later this evening tell you all about that and our guests that we already have lined up for tomorrow's sports auto we'll look ahead next on 1061 espn a whole lot of sports with a whole lot of opinion, which means you've got a whole lot of listening to do. Big Al is live from 8 to 10 weekday mornings on 1061 ESPN Richmond. A couple of final nuggets for you on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, let me credit my source here as I go to this first one. It's our guy, Derby Bill with all his DMs to us all day and all night. And uh, so we pick and choose very carefully, AJ, which ones we use. So I believe him on this one. So what do you think 
was the most watched college football game this weekend. Was it? Colorado. Okay, I was going to say, was it? I don't even need you to read it. Was it Nebraska, Colorado, and the Dions, or Texas, Alabama? Colorado. Oh, you got Colorado. You're not totally wrong, but by a fraction, Texas-Bama, according to this from Bill, was 8.76 million on ESPN, and Nebraska-Colorado was 8.73 million on Fox. Now, some of that, let's remember, even in this day and age, and I'm I'm thinking a little old-fashioned, Fox, over-the-air, linear, traditional TV, ESPN, you still need some kind of streaming or cable service to get. So kudos to them. Uh, and, I mean, every pretty much everybody gets it. If you're a sports fan, it doesn't matter what platform you're on. You're getting ESPN, obviously. Uh, the other the other factor there was the window. Nebraska-Colorado, I think, was a noon game, if I'm not mistaken, on, uh, on Fox, which is pretty early on a Saturday. No matter what the weather is across the country, a lot of people are doing a lot of things. And there's a lot more competition of college football at that hour than there is at night. There are plenty of games at night, but less than during the day. Uh, so Texas, Bama, eight point seven six mil. Nebraska, Colorado, eight point seven three. So you're not you're not wrong. I would I would call that a dead heat. I would call that basically. It's just crazy that we can actually say that about Colorado. Yes. Uh, oh, that's the the prime time factor. Uh, that game might not have been at prime time, but it was about prime time, uh, and they won uh, handily too. And, and really, Texas did by the end of that game with Alabama. Uh, Caesar will be interested to know that his game was the third most watched. The Texas A and M Miami game drew about four million, so so half of that. But anyway, all right. Let me get to the phones real quick here for the last minute or so. Dolphin Dave, thank you for waiting. Uh, you've got the floor to wrap up our show. All right, a couple things real quick. Obviously, I'm very happy with the Dolphins yeah. win. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a favor. We'll talk later on. Uh, I think I told you my son-in-law is a Philadelphia fan, and he got called up. I was going to take him up to Philadelphia to see the game, and he got called up to go to Bahrain for nine months in the Navy. Oh, wow. So if you would like to meet, yeah, and I was going to pay, you know, take him and spend the night stay, and even wear a Dolphins jersey in Philadelphia and risk getting killed. But that's besides the point. Um <laughs> So uh, I'd like to ask you, if you don't mind, if you have the time, is maybe we could meet at a watering hole and you could watch the game in his stead with me. So I'm Absolutely. just going to ask you that for the future. When, okay? when, is, when, when, are we ta- when is that, Dave? What, what, uh, I, I haven't looked that far ahead. I think it's – they said it was going to be – might be really cold, so I think it might be in January. I'm not sure. That would be right at the end then, wouldn't it? Wow. Yeah, I think I'll, it's right at the end. Uh, we play the NFC East. Uh, real quick on the Dolphins, very happy to win. Got to figure out our defense against the run. If we can do that, I think it's going to be really, really a great time for us this year. Uh, Tua looks great, and I'll tell you the best thing that happened. Tua learned how to fall. He ran yes. and he slid. Yep. So that was one of the big things, and the fact we came back against a really good team. So I think that was a good plus. It's just the beginning, man. So we'll see what happens. October twenty second. Um, yeah, I was just looking at that too, yeah. AJ. October. It's the night game. It's the October Sunday night 27th. game. Yes. Yeah. We could we could get so together on could, Sunday night the, somewhere. You pick we'll, the place, and I will meet you there, and we will have a beverage, and we will watch a game. We will do it. I love that, Dave. Thank you. All right. Good way to finish the right, show. Uh, thanks. I got that circled on my calendar already. 
Unless, of course, there's like a World Series game I got to be watching by then, too. Oh, oh, yeah. AJ's like, get off the air already, Black, would you? Don't talk that way. All right. Uh, thanks to Nikki Javalo from the Washington Post and Darrell Owens from Legacy Maker Sports Network. Tomorrow, Dave Riggard, voice of JMU, and Mike Burnham. Uh, on the broadcast team at Virginia Tech. So we'll talk some Dukes and Hokies on tomorrow's show. AJ, thanks. Talk to you at 4 tomorrow afternoon. Next Sports Huddle, 1061 ESP. While interest rates are skyrocketing everywhere,